Acts chapter number 4 tonight. And I echo with uh, Brother Eddie, it is good to see Sister Darlene in service tonight. Amen. Thank God for uh, his touch upon her body to enable her to come. And uh, just believing the Lord's going to complete the work that he started. And uh, the Lord's going to give that miracle. Amen. Acts chapter number 4. Begin our reading with verse number 24. And it reads as this, And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, and said, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of Thy servant David hath said, Why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that we may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Within about these 10 verses of scriptures, there's about 10 messages that you could pull out. And each of them would, would preach, and uh, these are some power-packed, Holy Ghost-anointed verses of scripture. Uh, but I, I feel very strongly that the Lord has led us in this direction and uh, I want to preach that the Lord will help me for a few minutes on a prayer meeting that produced God's glory. A prayer meeting that produced God's glory. If you will, stretch forth your hands this way and ask God to help us tonight. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the privilege that we have once again to come into your house and to worship, magnify, and glorify your name. God, you have been good to us all day long and we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for... Your word tonight, we're asking for the unction, the anointing, the empowerment of the Holy Ghost to rest upon us. God, anoint us. God, to deliver what you've laid upon our hearts even now to the end result that you would be glorified, that the, the church would be edified. And Lord, strengthen us for the journey, for the days that, that lie ahead. God, I feel like you're calling us back to a place of prayer. And God, I pray that uh, the prayer meeting could produce a, a move of glory, a move of the Holy Ghost like we've never seen, that you would shake this place with your glory. And Father, we're going to love you. We're going to thank you. We're going to praise you in advance for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen and amen. Just one announcement, ladies. Don't forget February the 3rd at 12 o'clock, the shower for Sister Riley. Uh, if you're able to, to be there, uh, it'll be a, a great day, so don't forget to mark that on your calendars. Last, uh, I guess Wednesday night was a couple of weeks ago, we dealt with the subject of prayer. 
and uh, dealing with prayer that begins in the hidden place. Uh, it advances through the, the heavenly place, but it reaches the holy place. We talked about those three dimensions of, of prayer and about how we are to pray and the model prayer that the Lord uh, dealt with us when the disciples came to Him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And He gave the, uh, the best discourse that's ever been on prayer. And uh, felt like then the Lord was uh, dealing with us and, and calling us to uh, a place of prayer. And I know that within the first three weeks of the year, it seems like that there's a big emphasis in a lot of churches on prayer when we should all have an emphasis on prayer every day, not just the first 21 days out of the year. Uh, but I can tell you personally, the Lord has been dealing with me on the altar and with prayer and, and uh, in, in praying and seeking God for this service he led me back along the, the topics of prayer and going to deal with a prayer meeting that produced God's glory. If we look back at our text at Acts chapter number 4, it was a very troublesome time for this fledgling church. A new, uh, the, the, the church that had just been birthed in the upper room two chapters earlier. In Acts chapter number 2, we read about the Holy Ghost as it fell, which was the birthday of the church. In Acts chapter number 3, Peter and John were on their way to the to the temple at the hour of prayer. There they see a lame man that had been uh, asking alms for the poor. They, uh, by the will of God, by the power of God, they uh, tell him, they said, silver and gold, have we none, but such as we have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And immediately the Bible says his ankle bones received their strength and he stood entering into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God and you could see the, the Holy Ghost in action and in operation moving in not just these two men's life, but in the church as a whole. And right on the heels of that, right on the heels of the upper room, right on the heels of the miracle in Acts chapter number 3 comes persecution in Acts chapter number 4. When uh, the, 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 the scribes, the, the Pharisees, they apprehend Peter and John, and they asked him, by what name have you done this? And it was an opportunity for Peter and John to, to preach the gospel to him. They said it was by the name, by, by faith in the name of the Lord Jesus uh, that this man was raised up, this man that uh, you have crucified, that you killed, that uh, uh, you uh, placed stripes on, and uh, you, you crucified him. It was by Christ that this man was made whole. And the Bible said that when they looked on Peter and John, they realized that they were ignorant and unlearned men. They marveled at them, but they marked that they had been with Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, that that could be a testimony of the church in this time. We may be mocked. We may be ridiculed. But if the world could take note that we've been with Jesus. Hallelujah. That we have his power. And his spirit flowing through us. Uh, and they, they threatened Peter and John with great threatenings. Uh, they uh, told them, said, don't preach in this name anymore. Don't, uh, uh, do, do not publicly preach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John said, uh, amen. We're, we're going to do our best to testify by what uh, we have both seen and what we have heard. And it was on the heels of this that Peter and John, the Bible says, that they returned uh, unto their own. They returned unto the others. Uh, and they were telling them about the threatenings. Uh, and uh, it led the church to prayer. 
Amen. So we see the background of the story. It was a persecution and it was a tribulation and troubles that led them to a place of prayer. Now I've been in this thing long enough to realize that trouble is going to do one of two things. It's either going to move you further to the Lord or it's going to move you further from the Lord. And sadly for many, it moves them further from the Lord. Amen. But trouble should lead us closer. Trouble should lead us to the place of prayer. Trouble should lead us, amen, to have a desire to find an audience with God. That's what it did for this fledgling church, and that's what it should do for you and I. And we find on the heels of all of that is where we find ourselves in our text. We find the church praying in Acts 4 and 24. And for a few moments, let's explore the prayer that they prayed. It says when they heard, they lifted up their voice unto God with one accord. Amen. As we look at this prayer, there's different facets of this prayer that I want to touch on tonight. But the first thing that we can find is that it was a united prayer. When they heard that, when they heard the threatenings, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. That word accord in the, uh, uh, in the Greek, is the word homothematini. And it is a, a compound word which means to rush along and be in unison. The, the word picture that it represents is as a symphony that is played with every musician and every musical instrument. It has its own part. It has its own notes that it plays. But they all work together to produce that masterpiece and that symphony that is being performed. And so when these, uh, these individuals, the, the, the people that were there, amen, they were individually present, but they were all praying with one purpose and in one accord. They all had their part to play in the prayer. They all had their part to play in the body of Christ. Amen. So this prayer, it wasn't a divided prayer. Amen. They weren't praying for 150 different things at this moment in time. But they had one goal. They had one purpose. And they were united in that purpose. Amen. They were united in the purpose of prayer. Amen. When we pray as the body of Christ, amen, I know that we all have our own needs. I know that we have our own problems, our own struggles, our own trials. But when we come together as the body of Christ, amen, it would do us well if we found ourselves in that same place praying as a united body, praying as a united front. Amen. Not pulling against each other, not pulling away from one another, not, amen, presenting one's needs is greater than the other is greater than the other no but we're all praying collectively as that symphony in one mind in one accord with one purpose amen we can see the results of this united prayer which we'll get into in just a minute but God still honors a united church and God still honors united prayers hallelujah if you look anywhere throughout scripture 
in that New Testament uh, of instances in which the Holy Ghost fell. Uh, it all He always fell uh, on a united church, uh, not full of divisions and schisms, uh, but those that were united in one mind and one accord. So this prayer, uh, the prayer that produced God's glory, it was uh, a prayer in one accord. Secondly, uh, it was a prayer to the one true God. Uh, and, and the Lord has been dealing with me so much here lately uh, on this thought in this hour uh, of universalisms and, uh, and unitarianism uh, where everybody is uh, uh, following after the one God. You've got a man on the the the. the House of Representatives or the Senate floor, uh, they're praying to a universal God that the Buddhist, that the Hindu, uh, that the Christian, that uh, uh, that the Muslim, uh, they all are praying to is God Almighty. Folks, it's important uh, that when we pray, uh, we're not praying to a universal God. Uh, we're not praying to, a, praying to a God uh, out of political correctness, but we're praying, uh, amen, to the one true God. Hallelujah. Amen. These, uh, If it heralded all of hell in their prayer, they weren't going to pray to a universal God, but they addressed their prayer to the God which made heaven and earth, to the sovereign, supreme God, to the one true God. Amen. This prayer not only was it united, amen, but this prayer recognized God in his power of position, sovereignty, and his rightful place of supremacy. The third thing, not only did it uh, was it to the one true God? Uh, but this prayer recognized His lordship. Uh, amen. He they put Him in His proper place uh, as the God of the universe, uh, as the God of this world. But they made it more personal uh, by making Him the God of their hearts. Uh, when He said, "Lord uh, God, uh, You are the one that made heaven. Uh, you are the one that made the earth and the sea and all that is in them." Uh, we're not just recognizing You as uh, Amen, the one true God, but we're recognizing Recognizing you as the Lord of our hearts. There's many people that under the banner of Christianity that know Him as God, but they do not know Him as Lord. I mean, for there to be one, a Lord over your life, then that means you are in submission and you are in subjection to His Lordship. It's Him that's calling the shots and not you. It's Him that has all power and authority over our hearts and over our lives and not us. And that's where many run aground in their Christian experience. Amen. They want to add God unto their life, but they don't want to make Him Lord of their life. Amen. I saw a sign not too far from here just the other night going through town. And it said, include the Lord in your life. In 2024, have we really come to the place in Christendom to where we just want to include the Lord in our life? That statement is no different than the Hindu that has billions of gods. Brother Eddie talked about the Hindus. They have a billion gods. You preach to them Christ. Amen. What's one more God in their plethora or myriad of other gods that they have? Many are more than happy to just include and try to include Jesus into their already existing life. But no, if he's going to become the Lord of your life, he must become your life. 
You don't just include Jesus in your life. His life becomes your life. Hallelujah. His heart becomes your heart. His passion becomes your passion. Amen. We must not just recognize Him as God, but He must become our Lord. So it was united, recognized His supremacy, recognized His Lordship. But next, this was a prayer that they prayed that was taken directly from the Word of God. In Acts 4, when they're praying, they prayed, they said, Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage? Why did the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the Christ. If you were to run a cross-reference of those same words, you'll find those same words appearing in Psalms chapter number 2. And it is a messianic psalm. The same words recorded in Acts 4 are recorded in Psalms 2. When it says, Why does the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. And they begin uh, uh, listing the things that was said there. This was a messianic psalm that prophesied a twofold uh, appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you study out Psalms 2, you'll find out uh, that it is the most referenced psalm uh, in the New Testament. This psalm, Psalms 2, looking to the day that the Messiah would come, is referenced in the New Testament more than any other psalm. It was looking forward to the day that Christ would appear as Messiah. But it was also looking forward to the day when His second return would take place. And He will wipe the world of injustice and all the enemies that are against him is going to be scattered. So when they're praying, their eyes are fastened on Christ as they look unto Jesus saying, you fulfilled this prophecy. You are the Messiah that the Jews are looking towards. We know that you are him and we know our faith is in you and we're looking forward to the day, amen, of your soon and your imminent return. This, this prayer was powerful in its application that they're acknowledging Christ as the Son of God, but their eyes, their heart, and their spirit were already set on his return. Amen, just a few short days after the resurrection, after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, they're already looking at their watch saying Lord we're waiting on you Lord we're ready for you will you come again hallelujah will you establish your kingdom on earth amen you see their prayer this prayer was clothed and bathed not in the temporal but its viewpoint was on the eternal his viewpoint uh, was looking uh, and hastening uh, and, and putting all of its hope in the day that this same Christ uh, would return. Hallelujah. The prayer that produced God's glory uh, was not shrouded uh, in, in, in uh, 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 selfish, prideful things, uh, but it was shrouded and consumed with the will uh, of Almighty God. The Lord dealt with my heart. Uh, amen. As I read these verses uh, and said, much of our prayers today is consumed with the temporal, uh, and it has little uh, emphasis or viewpoint in the eternal. Uh, but when we look at that early church over and over and over again in Scripture, uh, their prayers were not, uh, amen, prideful or uh, uh, personal prayers, uh, but their 
prayers were for the kingdom to be advanced uh, and for Christ to come again. Uh, church, if we're looking for some things to pray about, uh, this is a good place to start uh, right here. Uh, Lord, uh, let your kingdom be advanced. Uh, Lord, uh, let your will be done in us. Uh, Lord, uh, let the kingdom of heaven be expanded uh, and the kingdom of hell be crushed. Uh, Lord, hallelujah. Amen. We're looking, uh, amen, to maximize our impact on this earth. Uh, looking forward to the day when soon and very soon uh, you're coming back to call us home. Uh, Lord, uh, let us be effective in our mandate uh, and win as many people as we can uh, while we can. Uh, not looking at the temporal, uh, but seeking God for the eternal. That was an earmark of this church. And that should be the earmark of the church again in this hour. If you look at them as they're praying, they're literally praying the word of God. They're quoting back the scriptures that they knew to be anointed. They're, they're rehearsing those back to the Lord. As I mentioned for two reasons. One, to show Christ fulfilled that. Number two, looking for him to come again. But there's been a lot of times in my life when I found myself doing the same exact thing. There's times where I'm going through a trial. I'm going through situations. I find myself praying the book. I find myself quoting back the word of God. I find myself, amen, as I'm rehearsing the scripture in my own ears. For the Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, that there is power in preaching when we hear the word of God being declared. There's power when we hear an anointed man or woman of God get up and expound the scriptures and say what thus saith the Lord. Amen. But I can tell you there's also power when we hear ourselves rehearse the word of God. Hallelujah. Faith is being is arising in our heart. Amen. When I read of Psalms, and I quote it often, amen to myself, putting myself in David's shoes, Lord, many are they increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him and God, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me, the glory and the lifter of mine head. What am I doing? I'm praying the book. I'm rehearsing back the word of God. I'm preaching to myself hallelujah the word of God and out of that faith arises in my heart hallelujah the spirit of God we find is ever near if you're struggling for things to pray about pray the book amen get a hold of the word of God build yourself up in the most holy faith how do you do that build yourself up in the word of God what are you going to do on Thursday night, or Thursday morning at 1 o'clock in the morning after you leave here, when I'm not preaching to you, or Brother Eddie's not preaching to you, there's got to be a place that we get in prayer and with God that we can build up and encourage ourselves in the Lord. 
Listen, there's times when we can bring our needs amen, to the front of the church and we can gather together as a body in one mind and one accord and we can pray. But there's going to be devils that you have to fight in the wee hours of the morning when church ain't in session and a preacher's not preaching and the choir isn't singing. Amen. God wants you to be just as victorious in those moments as you are in corporate moments when the whole body is gathered. How do you do that? You stand on the Word of God. The Word of God has to become personal to you. The Word of God has to become powerful to you. And when you don't have anything else to pray and you don't know what else to say, do what the early church did. Pray the book. Hallelujah. Stand on the Word of God. Be anchored on the Word of God. Not being tossed about with every wind of doctrine that comes along, but anchored on the Word of God. This prayer, amen, was anchored on the book. This prayer that they prayed enabled them to move forward in their God-given purpose. Now, I want you to notice this. This is where the light bulb went off for me. Here they are. They've been threatened. You keep preaching in this name, we're going to arrest you. We're going to kill you. The crucifixion is very fresh in their mind. Just some 50 days, 50 plus days removed from the crucifixion of Christ. No doubt, they keep preaching in this name. They've been threatened with the same demise. You keep preaching, we're going to crucify you. We'll hang you up. We'll deliver you up to be scourged. We'll flock you. We'll put a crown of thorns on you. We'll crucify you as a, a murderer. But in this moment, as these threatenings are being issued, notice what they prayed. They said, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak the word of God. By stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. These were not selfish prayers. These were not prideful prayers. They weren't even asking for the threatenings to stop. But they were not asking to be removed from trouble. Instead, they were asking for God to be glorified in the middle of their trouble. Hallelujah. How many times have I been guilty? Lord, take this trouble away from me. Praying for God to move the trouble. Praying for God to get me out of the mess that I find myself in. Find where I am. Amen. God, get me out of this. Take this dark cloud away. Take this struggle in the, this, this trouble away from me. Many times I have prayed that prayer. Amen. And no doubt there's times where I'll probably pray it again. Amen. But instead of being selfish, instead of just asking for the trouble to be removed. Amen. This New Testament church prayed for God to be glorified in their trouble for God to be glorified in their trial there had to be a mindset shift amen from God take away my troubles to God be glorified even in my times of trouble amen as they were there amen they weren't asking for it to be removed but Lord give us your glory right in the middle of it hallelujah Look at their specific request in their prayer. Number one, they presented the problem. I remember what Brother Eddie has said through the years many times before. Faith never denies reality. You can get a report 
that says X, Y, and Z. That is a reality. That is a real thing in your life. But we have the choice to make on whose report are we going to believe. Are we going to let this move us by fear? Or are we going to respond in faith? Hallelujah. Lord, this is what they're saying. They're threatening us. They're out to kill us. They're out to crucify us just like they crucified Christ. They presented the problem said, Lord, behold their threatenings. And in this moment, not only did they present their problem, but they presented their need. When they said, Lord, with all boldness, amen, that we may speak your word. Lord, right in the middle of the threatenings, would you grant us a boldness that we may be able to speak your word. Listen, they realized their lack, but they realized... God's sufficiency. Hallelujah. They realized their lack. They like, yes, they're full of the Holy Ghost. Yes, they've been empowered with boldness. Amen. But they need a fresh boldness. They need a fresh anointing. They need a fresh touch. And they're saying, Lord, amen, we don't have everything that we need in us. We leak. But God, would you give us all boldness? Not, amen, so we can curse the threatenings, but that you may be glorified in us. Amen. They ask not to run from the threatenings, but they ask for the healings of Christ to be present in their threatenings. Hallelujah. They ask for the Lord, would you heal us? Would you heal the body? And would you heal the land? And they ask for signs and wonders to be done in who? In the name of Jesus. The prayer meeting that produced God's glory. Hallelujah. Not prideful prayers but prayers of submission, prayers of surrender to the will of Almighty God. So they're there praying this prayer. And you can ask yourself the question, how did God respond? The Bible says that when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. This prayer that we've expounded upon, number one, it moved the heart of God. God was touched by their prayers. Hallelujah. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. If I were to put that down into Corey's vernacular, uh, that means we have a high priest uh, that we can go to uh, and we can touch with the feelings of our infirmities. Uh, Hallelujah. When I'm going through it uh, and we're facing a trial, uh, we don't have to serve uh, a God like Buddha or Allah where you pray uh, and you hope something happens. Uh, Oh no, folks, when we pray, uh, we can know something can happen. Uh, We know uh, that his ear is not deaf where he cannot hear. Uh, Neither is his arm slack where he cannot uh, reach. Uh, This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, amen, He hears us. And if He hears us, we can have the petitions that we desire of Him. Amen. Not only do I have a no-so salvation, but there is a place in prayer that we can get where we can pray to a no-so God knowing that He hears, knowing that He answers, and knowing that our prayers can touch His heart. 
God's response to the prayer meeting. The church touched his heart. And then God reached out his hand. Hallelujah. You see, folks, prayer is not just a one-way street. We don't serve a God that just hears the prayers. And that's as far as it goes. But we serve a God that answers prayers. Not only was his heart touched, but his hand moved. His hand was extended. Amen. You may feel like your prayers aren't reaching the ceiling. Keep on praying anyway. Hallelujah. You may feel that no answer is coming. What do you do when no answer comes? You pray again. Gehazi had to go to the top of Carmel seven times before he ever saw the answer to his prayer. And at that, it was just a cloud the size of a man's hands. Naaman had to dip seven times in the dusty river Jordan before his leprosy was cleansed. But that sets a precedent for us. We might have to pray seven times. We might have to pray 70 times. We might have to pray seven hundred times but keep praying keep knocking keep seeking amen our prayers amen will touch his heart and when his heart touched his touch he will extend his hand his heart was moved he moved his hand hallelujah and he moved by his spirit by the Holy Ghost the spirit of God fell in that house And the house couldn't contain all the glory. Hallelujah. The house began to shake the glory of Almighty God. And Isaiah chapter number 6, when Isaiah was in the presence of God, what happened? The post and the pillars, they shook at the glory of God. Hallelujah. Not only can we touch his heart, not only can we move his hand, folks, but by his spirit he will move. And if there's anything in this hour that the church needs, oh, it's the same pattern of model to be repeated for us to touch his heart through prayer. For him to touch us, amen, and extend his hand. And for there to be a fresh movement of the Holy Ghost. You can say, I am saved preacher. I am filled preacher. So were they. Two chapters earlier, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And here they are in Acts chapter number 4 they're filled all over again when the glory of almighty God filled the house the word of God says that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost hallelujah all of them he didn't miss a one of them oh Bible way we need that same reality in us that once again amen we would be moved back to a place of prayer and we'll pray until the glory falls and there'll be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost to where each and every one of us are filled with the glory of God. The greatest need of the New Testament church in this hour is the Holy Ghost. Is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We need a fresh touch. There's some praying for another Pentecost. I don't need another Pentecost. There's some praying, Lord, 
send a, a second Pentecost. Uh, the first one uh, was good enough. Uh, we just need to tap back into that Holy Ghost uh, for us to catch a second wind uh, and for the wind to begin to blow afresh uh, and anew. For there to be an Acts 2 experience, yes. Uh, but for those that have been filled, uh, an Acts 4 experience where once again uh, we find us a place of prayer. Uh, we have a prayer meeting with Almighty God. Uh, and again, we're all filled again uh, with the Holy Ghost. God help us tonight explore the impacts of this prayer meeting. Number one, it empowered and emboldened the church. Not only was the house shaken, but the people were shaken. It's not just enough for God to shake the house, but God shake us. It's not good enough to just come into the house of God to be able to feel the presence of God. But God let us leave walking in that presence. Let us leave abiding in that presence. Amen. We like boldness and we need power. Amen. How do we receive it? It starts at the prayer meeting. It starts at the altar. It starts seeking the heart of God. And notice what they pray for. They pray for boldness. To declare the word of God. They didn't ask for strength to endure the threatenings. They didn't ask God to take the threatenings away, but they said, Lord, in the middle of the threatenings, give us boldness that we may speak your word. And what was it that God gave them? He gave them exactly what they asked for. When we ask and we pray according to the will of God, we're not going to pray for oranges and him give us apples. No, no. He's going to give us what we need. He's going to give us. They, they realize their lack. Lord, we need boldness. And God, hallelujah, by his spirit, gave them to the sufficient end exactly what they need. Amen. God gave them power. He gave them boldness to declare the word of God right in the middle of their threatenings. Amen. That's what happens when God shakes the place and God shakes us. He will give us his boldness. He will give us his strength to do what ordinarily we could not do. Secondly, God's shaking when he shook the house. It produced an increased unity in the body. We dealt with unity when they prayed in one accord. In the beginning of the story, they were united. For the Bible says that they lifted up their voice with one accord. But when the Holy Ghost fell, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. He took that unity to a higher level. Let's look at what the scripture says. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, spake the word with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. One heart in one soul. They went from being in one accord to being with one heart and one soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One heart. That phrase in the Greek denotes a tender union. 
They felt alike or were attracted to the same things. And this preserved them from the jars and dissensions. There was no bickering in the body on this day. There was no jockeying for position. No, no. They were with one heart and in one soul. It went further and deeper than them just all realizing that they needed something from the Lord. It went deeper than them just realizing that they had to have a fresh touch. But no, when God moved, He yoked them together with one heart and in one soul. That word one soul, it also denotes a close and tender union. But no expression could denote it more strikingly than that to say of friends that have one soul. Aristotle, a man, made this statement. He said, being asked what was a friend, he answered by saying that it was one soul dwelling in two bodies. This was derived from a Jewish proverb. Amen. Where the Hebrew spoke of two friends being as one man with one heart and one soul. Listen, there can be no greater union than when the church of God, our heart beats the same. Our soul is yoked together the same. When our minds, we think the same. We realize our needs. We feel each other's burdens. We feel each other's heartache and heartbreak. And when we go before God, amen, we come united with one heart and in one soul. Lord, it's not about me. It's about we. It's about us. Move on your body. When I pray, Lord, bless Brother Joey just as much as you bless me. Move for Brother Meeks and answer his prayers just as much as I'm praying for you to answer mine. God, you see the burden our pastor's carrying. Lord, more than I need a fresh touch and a fresh anointing. Give him a double portion of your spirit. What is that? That's walking in one heart and in one soul bound together by the Holy Ghost. Then they got to the place where they had all things common. They literally, if they had any possessions, they sold it. Brought it to the apostles' feet. Laid it for the gospel to be furthered. Listen, these people had one heart. That was the heart of God. They had one soul. And that was a soul set on God. And they had one goal. And that was the goal of being more like him. God help us. What would happen if we as the church came to the same place where our one heartbeat is, Lord, give me your heart. The one cry and longing of our soul is, Lord, give us your mind. Let this same mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Give me your heart. Give me your soul. And Lord, the only goal that I have, amen, is for you to be glorified and the kingdom to be expanded. That, friends, is a prayer that will produce God's glory. That is, it's no wonder why God moved the way that he did. God shook the place. He gave them boldness. He increased their spirit of unity one with another. He gave them power. I don't have time to get into all of this. The Holy Ghost comes. He comes in power. He gave them the ability to walk in great grace. For the Bible says that great grace is upon them all. What is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. If I need anything on my life, I need grace. I need God's unmerited favor. The prayer meeting that produced God's glory.
Amen. I feel like God is bringing us back to a place of prayer. And we preached it a couple of Wednesday nights ago. We're here again tonight, but not just praying, victorious praying. Yoking together with what Brother Eddie has been preaching about, where he feels like God has led him. Amen. Victory. It's not just vain repetitions, but it's anointed praying. Amen. It's praying according to the will of God. And if we do that, we can experience a fresh move and a fresh outpouring of the glory of God. Kirsten, if you'll come help me, I'm done. I'm closing with this. I've studied and used the example many times of the great Hebrides revival in 1949. I love studying revival and studying about previous moves of God. But this one's just... I just am always drawn back to it, the origins of the great revival on the, the Isle of Lewis in Scotland. Started in 1949 with two elderly ladies, Christine and Peggy Smith. One was blind and couldn't see, and the other had crippling arthritis. Joints were all contorted, just struggled greatly, and neither one of them was in any condition to go to church. They physically were not able to go to the house of God. They didn't have a vehicle, very poor. But one of them said to the other, you know, we may not be able to go to the house of God like we one time did, but we can still be people of prayer. And in 1949, they began calling upon the name of the Lord. And God gave them a burden for the young people on their island. Because in most of the churches, they were all 60, 70 years old and older, had no young people. So they called their pastor and said, we've got to do something about the condition of the church and about the condition of this island. They said, every day, we're going to be in our cottage praying. And we want you to join us in prayer. So they were praying in their cottage. The men of the church would travel together in a central location in a barn. They would get in the hayloft and they would pray and seek the face of God to the wee hours of the morning. Praying, seeking the face of God. Days went by, weeks went by, nothing happened. But one morning, about three o'clock in the morning, one of the men in that prayer meeting in that hay barn opened up the word of God Psalms 24 and ask the question who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord he that hath clean hands and pure hearts and he asked the guys the question he said boys we've been praying for weeks and nothing's happened he said if we ever stop to ask ourselves the question is our hearts right with God and is our hand or our hands clean and with that, he lifted up his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. And Lord, cleanse my hands. And they, they, in their description, it was like a bomb went off in the place. The glory of God fell in that hay barn. It was almost what happened in Acts 4 when the glory of God shook the place. And out of the hills of that prayer meeting with two elderly, elderly ladies, one with blindness, one with crippling arthritis, not even able to go to church, 
and a few men in a hay barn. Out of that, God birthed revival that 250,000 people were swept into the kingdom of God. A prayer meeting that produced God's glory. Those same two women came to the, the pastor and said, Preacher, God's given us a vision for 100 young people to be born into the kingdom of God and for them to be at our church. She said, they said, there's just one problem. We don't have any. She said, well, do you believe God or don't you? She said, and she asked him the question, are you right with God? She went as far as to say, because if you're right with God, He would show you the same things that He's showing me. That's a brave question to ask a preacher. Amen. They begin to pray about it. Amen. The same thing. Days went by. Weeks went by. Nothing happened. Amen. But it was at a school dance at about 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. Amen. That they were dancing. Amen. At the school auditorium. Amen. One of the people in that room fell to the floor under great conviction. Amen. And said, I've got to be saved. And at that point in time, conviction began to sweep across the whole ballroom. People began wailing and crying out unto God in repentance. They asked one of the teachers, they said, where can we go to find a man of God? They led them to Peggy and Christine Smith's pastor and said, here's a man of God that'll open up the book to you. That night, a hundred young people were born again. And the next day, on Sunday morning, there was a hundred young people sitting on the pews ready to receive the word from the Lord. I'm talking to you about a prayer meeting that produced the glory of God. God, hallelujah. God can still do it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we get just as hungry and we get just as desperate and we get just as consecrated for God, God can do to us what He did for them. Brother Eddie, I'm not letting go of that vision of 50 young people. Amen. I still believe we can pray amen. And if God has to shut down Foley High School's prom, amen, a conviction to fill the place, I believe God can still do it. If He has to shut down a nightclub, if He has to empty out a barroom, amen, I believe our God can still do it. Amen, how about we yoke together with one heart, with one soul, with one mind, and one accord, amen, and let's pray a prayer, amen, until we see the glory of God produced in us, right here, amen, like He did in the Hebrides, amen, like He did in Acts 4, He's not a God that changes, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I feel more like an evangelist tonight, amen, but I feel like the Holy Ghost is pulling us, I feel like He's probing our hearts tonight, leading us back to the place of prayer. And if we will yoke together in this same spirit, we can see the same results. Would you join me in the altar tonight? Hallelujah. Would you join us around these altars and for a season? Let's spend it in prayer. A prayer that produces the glory of God. I know we have personal needs. There's nothing wrong with making that petition known to the Lord. But for just a few moments, can we pray collectively for the body? Can